you got to be able to find that balance. And I think the funny thing about balance, everybody wants to have this like even keel. To me, that's not the way balance works. Balance works by baseball is going to take a little bit more priority at one point. Okay, cool. Now I got to shift to my student, my studies, or now I got to shift to my social life. And it's a healthy balance of being able to kind of go with like the natural ebbs and flows of, I think, the, just the way life works. Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick and I'm the Dean of the Pharma School of Business here at Miami University. Today I'm joined by Charlie Dalk, who graduated with a BA in Psychology, not from the Pharma School, but from Miami University. But you'll quickly see why I've included Charlie in our podcast. So Charlie, welcome and thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast, Beyond High Street. Yeah, good morning. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So during this podcast, as our listeners know, we weave through a range of topics so our listeners can get to know you, more about your journey and the, your reflections along the way. What I love about Charlie as one of our guests is you graduated, I think, just four years ago. Am I right, Charlie? Yeah, 2018. So as, as the listeners know, a lot of this um, discussion is about why, why our, listener, our, our podcast uh, participant chose Miami and some reflections along the way, some advice for our listeners. So uh, Charlie's advice will be very fresh and, and I think, as you know, as you'll hear, incredibly relevant to our audience. So I have to begin with the most important question, Charlie. Why did you choose Miami University? The best question of all. Uh, I chose Miami for a number of different reasons, but I, I think the biggest thing is that I grew up coming to Miami. Uh, my dad uh, played football here. He graduated in 1986. And so since then, it was part of our childhood for the annual Miami trip to go watch, uh, you know, the Red Hawks or the Redskins, you know, with, as my dad would say, uh, to go play a football game or two. Right. And so especially when Ben Roethlisberger was coming through here, I just had so many different exposures to Oxford and the community and, you know, the different people involved and stuff like that. And so as I started to, you know, get older in age and starting to really get into that college that college mindset of, you know, what was going on, I had a really huge passion for sports and football and baseball in particular throughout high school. And then realized that, you know what, I actually had an opportunity to go play baseball at the next level. And uh, as I was going through uh, the opportunity, I always had Miami on my list. I was like, man, if I could go play at Miami, that'd be a dream come true. And so as I was going through, you know, my tour as a, as an athlete going on there, a couple of different official visits, I, uh, I came and, and met coach Aiden and uh, my, my student athlete at the time, his name is Julian Flannery was my uh, official uh, host. And at that point, he, he won me over. I just wanted to make sure that really that uh, Miami was still the same as, as I knew it. It kind of lived up to the expectation that I had of it. Right. And so uh, the, the first answer of why I did was a, my, my family uh, history is a huge plug. Uh, number two would be uh, the, the people are, and it's not, it doesn't stop at baseball, but the different uh, academics and, and, and the education side of things. It's uh, everybody I met in that side is extremely you know, impactful to me to the point where I, I was more than excited. I was 150% into the point where I got the offer or the opportunity to go play baseball. I said, you know what, let's, where do I sign? Take me there. So I'd probably be uh, a couple of different reasons why I chose Miami. So before we get on to the issue of being a student athlete, I do need to give a shout out to your father because he'll probably listen to the podcast. So hi, David. That's right. And, and David Dowick's on our business advisory council and, and has been a great supporter and a great friend to me and to the pharma school over the years and, and, and of course, introduced you to us. So talk to me about being a student athlete because I know it's not easy. You played baseball, I think, for four years. Is that right? The whole four? Yeah, how did, how did How did you judge? 
juggle everything and keep your grades intact and, and keep a sense of humor and perspective along the way? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I, uh, if I could go back four years ago, I, I, would, I would try and listen to this podcast. But it was a lot of calls home from mom at first just because I was going crazy, right? I was trying to balance the, uh, the academic side of things, the, the rigor that Miami has on top of trying to make sure I'm performing enough uh, on the baseball field. And also, there's that social aspect to, to Oxford and Miami that you have to be able to balance to counter maintain, uh, you know, a healthy brand because you don't want to be, you know, too sunk into one thing. You want to be balanced. And that's the biggest thing that uh, if I was talking to myself or to any uh, student athletes listening to the podcast is, man, you got to be able to find that balance. And I think the funny thing about balance, everybody wants to have this like even keel. To me, that's not the way balance works. Balance works by Baseball is going to take a little bit more priority at one point. Okay, cool. Now I got to shift to my student, my studies, or now I got to shift to my social life. And it's a healthy balance of being able to kind of go with like the natural ebbs and flows of, I think, the, just the way life works. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is as a freshman, you kind of just start gaining awareness of what impacts what and what your priorities are. And I think there's some days where I probably didn't make the best decision, right? And there's some days where I was very, very proud of the, of the decisions I made and it showed in, uh, in, in whatever you know aspect that I was going into. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing that I would say is you got to be able to find balance and you're going to have good decisions and bad. You just got to make sure that it's a, it's a progress uh, or progressive going forward. And so apart from ma maintaining balance, I, mean, I, I, I fully respect student athletes because I, 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 I've been around student athletes as a parent. So, so talk to me about some of the other lessons that you learned being a student athlete. Uh, great. I think another good question. And it's funny because I think it just, this applies to really why I love to play sports and why, you know, my future kids will, will, will play sports one day just because of the things that you just learn, the intangibles that you learn as you're going through it's, the first thing that I, that I got and it just kind of got even stronger as I went throughout my course at Miami was that idea of resilience and that the idea of grit. It really is that toughness piece that uh, I think sports and now I'll speak to Miami baseball in particular, that, that grit piece of it is really what is probably the biggest skill that I took, the intangible skill that I took away from my athletic career at Miami because I, mean, I was put, we all were put uh, in situations that were really tough. There's morning workouts, there's schedule scheduling issues that you have to be able to navigate and, and move through. There's long, there's long bus rides that you have to go to your 8am class the next day and you have to go to lift and then homework and then all these different things. And it's very easy to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm exhausted. I'm going to go sleep. I'm going to go sleep. Right. Where, well, if I go sleep, I don't study, I don't do homework. I'm behind and then I'm staying up late and then I'm tired the next day. And so it's just ongoing effect. And so I think grit would probably, or resilience rather is probably going to be the first at first piece. Uh, the second piece that I would say is communication. I think communication between uh, your, your, your professors, right, and the different classes that you were attending, like you had to make sure that you were, A, communicating that you were on the baseball team, that there was going to be some type of scheduling conflict with that class if that was the case. And at that point, it also was kind of like a leg up because it showed you you were taking initiative and, and communication and kind of building that relationship, which is so important in education uh, between, you know, student and then also professor as well. Uh, on top of it, the communication piece, it's with your coaches, right? You have to be able to navigate what that looks like because like it or not, like you're in competition and competition communication is very, very tough in moments because I'll be 100% transparent with you. I did not have the most successful college baseball career, but I'm very proud of it because I think it actually shaped me to who I am, uh, who I am today, right? And I think that third component that I would kind of touch on communication again is between the other student athletes, you know, my, 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 uh, my, my players, right. My, my team, my teammates were, 
the people that I got through everything with, there was a lot of disagreements. There were a lot of agreements. There were a lot of highs and there were a lot of lows. And it's a matter of being able to find a way to communicate effectively with those teammates that allowed all of us to kind of get closer together. So when things did get tough, we didn't point the finger and point blame, but rather come together and find a way say, you know what? Okay. This is what happened. How do we get better next time? And how are we going to, you know, progress from the situation and stuff like that. So that's probably the two biggest thing being communication uh, and that balance. That was probably big and great. So, so you know, you don't need to answer this question if you don't want to, but I know some people, when they finish their four-year college career, they, they're um, a little burnt out. Um, they may not touch the sport again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, again, I don't want to poke and prod because I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious to know what your relationship with baseball is now. Yeah. And, and do you still play it or have you picked up other sports? It's, uh, you know, that's really funny timing, uh, Dean, that you asked that because, I, uh, for the first two years, I did not want to do anything with baseball. I would go to a couple of baseball games. I lived in Cincinnati right after college. So I'd go to a couple of Reds games or 15, uh, 20 minutes down the road and they were pretty cheap tickets too. So I could afford them. And so I'd go there as a social event and, uh, that'd be awesome. But like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to pick up a, a baseball. I didn't want to pick up a bat or anything like that. Cause I just wanted to explore other things because like it or not, right. It's a job. It's a full-time job for four years and it becomes a business to a point and, I think that that passion, it really gets maximized, right? And, and if you're not fully bought in, it definitely can get that burnt out feel. Now, I'm very fortunate to be able to get that. I went to Miami and had the players and the coaches that I did because they all invested into me. We all invested in, really into each other. And so my scenario, I was, I'm more than grateful. I'm more than fortunate for having played Miami baseball and going to Miami in general because uh, it left a very, very good and strong taste in my mouth. And uh, I think it's a funny time that you asked that because I actually played in my second ever softball game last night. Uh, and so we had uh, had a lot of fun. The first game was last Wednesday and the, the second game was late yesterday. So it was, it's uh, it, we're on good terms again. I'll put it that way. And, and softball is a good game too. It's great. Yeah, it so, so talk to me, you, you went into psychology, you, you talked, I, I believe that you were thinking of doing economics. You did some economics, you went into psychology. So, so talk to me about the choice around major and program um, that you made here at Miami. Yeah, good. Uh, another good question. So I, I think going into college as an 18 year old, I was one of those kids, like many of them, I just had no idea what I wanted to do. I just wasn't certain. I was interested in everything, but I wasn't quite sure what was out there. And I knew that whatever I was going to be exposed to is I was going to be in it. Right. And I'm, I'm one of those people. If I love something. I'm 150% in, like I'm all on board. Right. I'm very, I think a, a passion is a good way for me to uh, describe myself, but I went into college, wanted to study economics just because that's all I'd known, business. My, my, my dad being obviously a business major at Miami and staying in the auto industry for his whole career. That's what we talked about at the, at the dinner table because, uh, or it was one of the things that we talked about at the dinner table because it was what he was passionate about. So he was trying to teach and we're trying to learn different things. And so that was part of what I wanted to be at, right? Now, at the same time, my, my parents um, were very or they communicated very well that they wanted me to be independent. They wanted me to do my own thing. And if, if business isn't my thing, then that's okay. Like go do your own thing. And so ever since I was young, I had a huge passion for kinesiology and physical therapy and working out and all these different things. And that's kind of where my interests really kind of led to as I started to get more, I started to get a stronger identification of an athlete, right. Or, or a mover, right. This health aspect. And so that's where I initially thought I was going to go study kinesiology after economics, right. Well then, this whole idea of, well, then I started to really enjoy the part of life where it's the mental side, right? So this is where psychology came into play. And especially with sports and baseball, there's this huge uh, space for, you know, psychology and sports psychology in particular, right? And so for me, I, uh, 
I was like, you know, this is what is not even feel like, it doesn't even feel like work to me reading the textbook or reading lecture or going to lectures and stuff like that. So I looked forward to going to class. And so that's really where I, I took one of all, I took one class and then I was like, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. That's the, that's it for me. And so I started to do that. And so I, uh, I majored in psychology from there. And then from, from there going to my senior year, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Then what's next if I want to be a sports psychologist? Because at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I was like, all right, I take the GRE. I got to go to grad school and kind of run that course, right? And so for me, I, uh, I never was the best standardized test taker. And so that almost was like a, a road, uh, road barrier for me. And so with that, I was like, ah, do I want to use psychology and keep going with it? Or do I want to kind of go back to that business piece? And just being in Cincinnati or, or being around the Cincinnati area, being in Oxford, you kind of get exposed to a couple of different prominent businesses, especially at Miami, right? And so for me, as I realized that I wanted to go more of the business route because I have a huge passion for business. I have a huge passion for psychology still. I, I'd argue I use it every single day as, as a manager and a leader in the organization. But I, I just knew that I wanted to be around the business piece because it's competitive. It's very competitive. At least that's the way I viewed it, right? And so that's a why I chose psychology, but then also why I didn't necessarily follow psychology after school. And so senior year, uh, going into the fall, my one of my best friends, his name is Brooks. He already had a job lined up and here I am rolling into senior year, like thinking I'm behind the eight ball. I'm like, man, what the heck? Like this guy's got the job. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not living up to the expectation here. And that, again, that was just the pressure that I was putting on myself. I it was completely, it's a completely okay to roll into senior year without a job lined up. Kudos to you if you did. But at that point in the fall, I knew I had some work to do, right? I had to go market myself and really build that, that resume and stuff like that. And so from there, I went and tried to attend every single you know company that would come onto Miami's campus and try and just get exposure. A, learn about the different companies, try to understand what's out there and understand what I was really looking for. So uh, obviously I took a couple of business classes and stuff like that while at Miami, but I also knew I had a lot to learn in the, from the business, you know, component of, of life and, and stuff like that. So I knew I was looking for a well-rounded, you know, business program that kind of exposed me to the different ins and outs of the business. So like the financials piece, you know, how to manage people, uh, things like, things like that, that I just didn't have awareness to, uh, in, in the psychology study. Right. And so that kind of leads me into that, that next point of, you know, why China really chose CentOS and the management trainee program, because they kind of did exactly that. When I met with, uh, his name was Rob Rompi. He was the recruiter at the time, just his persona, the way he attached, the way we connected, the way he really talked through the MT program. I was like, that's where I want to go. And, uh, I had a couple of different job opportunities, just kind of weighing my pros and cons and that was the one. It was, I mean, great company. The stock had only risen since it started as a company. And I was like, okay, this company must know what they're doing. So that's essentially why or where we started at or why it landed on psychology and where Centos kind of comes into play. So, and I'll come and dig into Centos a little bit. So I, firstly, I just want to make sure that the listeners, especially the students who are listening, heard you say that you went to all of the employer events on campus because we have, I think I, I heard that we had nearly 400 employers uh, came on campus to career events wow. last year. Wow. So our students are fantastic. Employers know they're fantastic. Employers want to get in front of our students. They, they turn up on campus all the time and it's so important 
important that students follow the advice or your lead and actually make a point of going and finding out what's possible. Secondly, I do want to give a shout out to Sintas and make sure our listeners know of the deep relationship we have with Sintas before we launch into the management training program. As the listeners know, we're named the Richard T. Farmer School of Business. And as, as we know, Richard Farmer, is, is, uh, his grandfather founded the beginning firm, but Sintas is the firm that Richard Farmer really led and, and turned into what it is. And Scott Farmer sits on our board, uh, board of visitors and is a great friend to the school. So there's a deep connection here between the Farmer School and Sintas. But what I love about Sintas and what I want you to share with the listeners is the management training program. Because to me, it's an incredible gift to, be, to, to give a new employee who may not be entirely sure about where they want to land in a company to be put on some kind of rotation to get exposed to so many different parts of the company and then you know to be developed and 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 grow into an area that really suits you so talk about that and also I think just expand on on how many Miami alumni are down at Sintas as well so as much as you want to throw into that would be great thank you yeah of course uh, I think I'll back, but kind of backtrack too, because uh, I at Miami again. The part of the piece that drew me there was the quality of people, and it was the culture to, of the Miami baseball program that honestly made the impact on who I am today. It, it was that resilience piece. It's that hard work. It's the high expectations and really goal oriented, you know, <clears throat> type of program that uh, Coach Hayden uh, was running at the time and is is running now. And I think that's what I was looking for as I was going to, you know, or looking for. The, the next the next step after college. And that's where really Cintas comes into play because again, I went through uh, the interview process. I got a glimpse of, you know, what Miami, or excuse me, what Cintas was like. And that's what I found. I found the, the culture is the strongest beef there. I interviewed with five different people. And the number one thing that I asked them that was the best part about working for Cintas was their culture. And I said, okay, so culture is made up of many different facets. So, you know, what what is, you know, what is the takeaway there? And they said it's number one thing that is the people. It's the quality of people that are are at the company that makes the difference of why I love coming to work at CentOS every single day. And for me, that was the number one thing because I, I, again, uh, you and I spoke a, a couple of weeks ago. But the it's not necessarily about the place of, of really anything, but it's more so about people that make the place right. And that's why I think Miami is so special because there are so many magnificent people at Miami. And to hear different employers or employees say that about the employer, I was like, man, this place has got to be very, very special, right? And so that's why I ended up choosing CentOS on top of a, a couple of different, different reasons. But the program, the management training program is wonderful. It's exactly what I was looking for. For uh, I was not a business major, but even if you were a business major or are a business major, I would highly recommend the program because you get skills that are, again, intangible, right? You get leadership experience, you get I mean, call it for what it is. You get the stress of what being a leader feels like, right? There's different things that you have to, you know, understand and be a part of, and things like that. And so, the management trainee program is a rotational program that takes you through different parts of our business. So you kind of learn the ins and outs, right? And so, my first rotation was working in the warehouse, working with our management partner, taking the inventory into our warehouse, checking it all in, and then being able to supply that inventory to our our SSRs for our sales service reps. And from there, our SSRs go ahead and take those to the customers as they go to different customers throughout the day. Um, from there, my next rotation was actually in the office where we just get to learn how to the details of how to kind of set up different accounts and what collecting accounts receivable look like, right? So open invoices and things like that. On top of that, you get a really good understanding and appreciation for what 
the different audits and stuff look like within uh, within CentOS because that's a big piece of a huge company is that you can't have you know if you have hundreds of locations across the country you can't have you know the west side of the country doing their own thing or speaking a different language and the other side uh, speaking their own different language it, it, that won't work when you're trying to find different uh, different uh, you know supplies and stuff like that so with that I got a really good understanding of what policies and procedures look like right. Uh, and I think that was a big part of, you know, forming who I was probably not the most fun part, I'll be honest with you, but a very, very integral part of being able to understand what people do day in and day out. Right. Uh, next was probably my most impactful part of the rotation, right. Or part of the rotational program was my service rotation. I literally had a big box CentOS truck and I was, I had my own customers for six months and the program's changed a little bit now, but back then I, you were taking on a, you were taking on a route for six months and you were maintaining those relationships. And so here I am 21 or I think 22 or 23 year, years old. And I'm going into there and uh, I had a shaved face at the time and I was walking in they're like, man, are you even old enough to drive? And I said, you know what, barely, but here's my license, right. As, as a joke. Um, but it, it was that rotation where I had to manage the management training side of things. So I had different projects and stuff that I would work on. I had reports that I had to monitor and send out every day. And then I had customers and goals to go hit uh, as, uh, as a SSR or a sales service representative. Right. And so with that, that was where I learned how to talk to a customer for the first time. And uh, the first time I went to go talk to a customer, I rolled up in my CentOS uniform and I said, uh, <clears throat> and I, I didn't say anything, nothing came out right away. Right. And I, uh, from there got over that, those, those nerves, those nerves at first. And then now my, now my routine is, Hey, I'm Charlie with CentOS. I'm here to take care of your first aid service today. And now it just rolls off the top of my tongue. Right. And so you just kind of be, have to be able to get yourself out there. Right. And that's, an, that's the nice part about CentOS is that, or the management trainee program is that there's a safety net to your fall, right. Where, uh, I can't speak for other companies because I haven't worked anywhere else, but I know that there's the support isn't always there. If you fail, you're failing for good and you're probably having to find a new company, right? And uh, with CentOS, that safety net is there because you have different leaders. Like my my general manager, Kenny, at the time, he was someone that I bounced ideas off of all the time. And hey, Kenny, I'm pretty doing pretty. I'm doing pretty poor at this aspect of my job. Like, what do you think, right? And here's my best recommendation for what I do. But how how would you move forward? And that's what he would essentially kind of be able that safety net for me, which was super impactful, right? So after that, that rotational or that rotation being in service, I then moved into our training compliance rotation or what we call TNC, where we teach different safety training classes to different companies. And so there's an aspect of selling, there's an aspect of retention, and there's an aspect of being able to actually know the content that you're teaching because you're teaching safety classes. So first aid, CPR, AED, BVP are your, your main staple class where that's what everybody needs every two years, right? And then there's a fire class that's needed every year. Uh, there's forklift training and stuff like that. And so again, I had to go in front of the customer, use my presenting skills and making sure I was <clears throat> clearing my throat and speaking loudly and knowing the content on top of that. And then uh, the final rotation, which again, I think I highlighted a couple of weeks ago was my sales rotation, which was possibly, you know, I'd say right up there with, with service, but understanding, you know, what it's like to work in new business sales, being a cold calling specialist and, being able to close appointments and understanding the routine or the playbook that CentOS has created and kind of be able to make it your own because nobody likes talking to a robot. They like talking to the personality and, you know, what makes Charlie, Charlie, uh, I think it's CentOS kind of gives me the resources, but they're going to like Charlie because of what I'm going to be able to connect with them about and how well I'm able to talk and break down what CentOS can do for them. And I think those things all together have formulated you know, a really good understanding of financials, what management looks like, what leadership looks like, how to understand different inventory needs and, you know, opportunities and things like that. And especially with 
uh, COVID impacting a lot of the supply chain and stuff like that. That's something that is real time impact to our business. And for me to get an understanding of that at, at, a, at a young age was something that I was, you know, I'm indebted for, right? Uh, and I think on top of that, especially now as we're going through, you know, the great resignation, but like, what what does recruiting look like? I never thought I was going to be a recruiter ever in my life, but I'm telling you, I, that's another sales opportunity where I happen to speak to CentOS, I been having to sell CentOS to these people who are, you know, resigning from different jobs. And luckily we've been pretty strong in, uh, in fighting that battle or fighting the good fight there. But that was, these are all things that I've learned just going through the management trainee program and where I'm at now, I'm currently a service manager in the Detroit market. And that's, these are all skills that set me up for success in this role, because now I have a great understanding for what everybody does. Right. And now at that point, I'm able to be able to connect with those partners. So at Syntas, we call each other partners and because we're all part of a, a team working together. Right. And so our partners, our warehouse partner, our sales partners, our office partners, our service partners, these are all, they're all vitally in, in, integral to, you know, our program, because without one of them, something's not going to work at CentOS, something's not going to work with our team. And so being able to a, do, do what they have done helps me connect and build their relationship and helps me be able to lead and connect with them on a better basis based on what motivates them and stuff like that too. So that's kind of a breakdown of what the manager trainee program looks like. I don't know how much detail you're really looking for. So I wanted to stop there. Do you have any other questions? No, I think I, you've given such a great overview. And I think to the listeners, just, you know, what I love about the program is, is just listening to you speak about it with the passion that you have about it, about, you know, the people, the partners, how much you've grown in the four years you've been with Sintas, but more importantly about the opportunities that lie ahead. So I do want to switch to the trip down memory lane, but just before I do that, just, just add that little, bit more about why you've gone back into Detroit, your hometown, and yeah. what, what you've gone, what, what the opportunity is now that you're, you've taken on behalf of Sintas in Detroit. Yeah, of course. So again, I, uh, the first job out of college was a management and trainee. That was my official title. That was that rotational program. That's about a two-year program, uh, I think, currently. And, that, and again, there's some details in that program that look a little bit different across the board. So Sintas has three major divisions going to be our rental side, uh, our fire side, and our first aid side. And there's going to be some subdivisions between those. Uh, and then from there, after that two-year program, I was exposed to different leadership opportunities. Uh, and I, and I, what I mean by that is that I had a very strong relationship with um, not only my leadership at the local level, right? But I had leadership from the director and the executive level that I was able to establish a relationship with, with at other companies, you don't have that type of, you know, vertical connection to a lot of the time. And I think that's something that being in Cincinnati and being where corporate is, that was something I made a priority as a management trainee that I was going to get coffee with a director or uh, the president of, of, of first aid. Those are things that were really, really important to me because that was exposure that I knew that if I didn't take advantage of, I was only doing myself at a service, right? And so that was maximizing uh, probably the management trainee program to the point where I was able to, you know, be successful. And I, was, I was presented the opportunity to be a service manager up in the Detroit market. Um, and so I'm currently working out of the Troy, the city of Troy, and we have a first aid business that is about a $10 million business right now. And I think only growing, which is super exciting. And so to be a leader uh, of a business at, I'm, 26 currently to be a part of a $10 million business. That's I'm really excited about that. And that's not me tooting my own horn. It's me just being excited that Syntas is giving me uh, keys to be a part of the business of, a, of about a $10 million business. Right. And I think being able to go through that program of a manager trainee to a service manager, I think that really um, set me up for success because again, now I have about 10 people who are going to report to me or who do report to me. And 
for me, it's now I have to learn their motivations and their communication style and how they would be, are going to do balance. And I have to work on how I find balance, right, as a service manager, because I want to be the best service manager in the country. That's the, that's the, the way my mindset works. But at the same time, I also want to be the best brother, the best son, the best friend, right? These are all things that are how I identify, but I want to be the best at everything. And so it's a matter of, again, that balance that we were talking about earlier on as a student athlete that you kind of had to maintain, it's, it doesn't go away. Right. Uh, and it's that balance piece. That's really, really important. But um, the service manager role has been nothing short of fun. It's uh, and when I say fun, there's two sides of it. There's fun when you're like, you get presented a negative situation, you're like, okay, here we go. Right. And then there's that, there's the actual fun side where you do a lot of the passionate things or the things that you're passionate about. Right. Um, that, are very, very fun. It's been very challenging, but I'm one of those types of people who love challenging opportunities because when I do get them and I do problem solve, man, it just gives me such a sense of gratitude, right? That I'm just like, you know what? Thank you. I was, thank you for the opportunity. I was able to work through that as not just by myself, but as a team. Um, and that's what uh, I'm currently doing now. So it's, I wanted to see if there any other, any other information you want to know about the surf. No, I, think, I, I think you've just, you've painted such a brilliant picture of the Syntas management. Syntas is a company, Syntas management training program. And I think the last comment I'd like to make on behalf of Syntas, before we move on to the trip down memory lane, what I love about Syntas is that you might, you, you start in a particular way as a trainee, with, but but the really important message to our listeners is about the long-term nature of the career, the growth, the opportunity that Syntas provides. And I think there's tremendous opportunity, even to your point, four years in, 26, running a $10 million business, and probably never have thought that that would be something you'd be doing at 21 when you graduated. So, And I think that's an important message for our listeners too. Yeah, All right. And, I, and I, I think to add on to that one, one, one more thing, Dean, so I apologize. But I think that the biggest part, and frankly, why I ended up actually choosing Syntas, like on top of all the culture and the intangibles and stuff like that, is that the investment piece that you get as a partner at Syntas, I think is immeasurable. Um, the amount of trainings that you go to, to the people that truly invest into my career, I, I would never be where I'm at or know the, don't know the things that I do and the skills that I do without the people that have invested yeah. in me. I have multiple people from different general managers across the country to different uh, director levels, partners who have invested into me. And that's again, just, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not special. It's just the opportunity that Cintas is able to provide people to I'm growing, I'm doing my own job, but then growing for getting ready for the next step or the next opportunity, which I'm not sure when that's going to be, but that's, a, that's part of it. It's that investment piece that I'm, I'm keep getting developed. It's not like I'm, nothing ever gets stale. I guess that that's another way, way to put that. And I think that's such a big thing for me. And I think the last point is that Syntas is one of those companies that is not one you're going to do for two years and leave. Syntas is one of those companies where you'll find a lot of the partners are going to work there. Like when I interviewed, the average tenure of the partner was 15 years. I was like, 15 years? Like, what is this place? Like, what's in the Kool-Aid, right? And that that is one of those things that as a as a college grad, you're like, well, I'll go to this job because this one pays the most. I'll go to this job because this one's going to pay a little bit higher. But then there's there's no sense of consistency that way, right? And I'm all for experiences and stuff like that. But Syntas is a jungle gym and you go through the management trainee program. I happen to go the service manager route. There's different routes of you can go into the training compliance, you can go into sales, you can go into recruiting, you can do, do a number of different things. But the fun part about Syntas is that if you're if I'm currently looking for something outside of my service manager role, perfect. There's different opportunities. It's just a matter, matter of making sure I communicate that effectively. And boy, did we, we could really feel that the, the culture and the commitment of the people when we visited the other week. All right, switching gears, time to go for a trip down memory lane. So when you look back at your time at Miami, who was your favorite professor? 
favorite professor. <clears throat> I don't know if I had one that yeah. like stuck out to the point where I still have a relationship with. Uh, I think it's more so the experience of going through psychology and understanding what that was was great. I think going through econ classes that were extremely challenging was awesome. But again, it wasn't necessarily about the person teaching the class. It was more so the content and the people I was studying with because that's where I found the most success. And then I think I studied sign language throughout high school into four years. I did about three years of it in uh, in college as well. It wasn't, you couldn't minor it at the time. I think you can now if I, I could be wrong there, but that was something that was extremely, I was extremely passionate about and, and super uh, grateful for. So that was probably my favorite thing. What was your least favorite subject? Least favorite subject? Um, I would probably say my first econ class. That's why I probably didn't stick with it, to be honest with you. But it was, again, probably because I was immature and I, I didn't know what I necessarily wanted to do. But that first econ class, it intimidated the heck out of me. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, but it's funny because now I love econ and things change as you get older and as you, as you mature a little bit. So are you a morning person or a night person? By that, I mean, did you enjoy early morning classes or not so much? Uh, I've been a morning person since I was probably a young kid. It's funny, I've, as life has gone, I've gotten up earlier and earlier and earlier. And uh, my friends will make fun of me if I tell you what time I get up now, but it's, it's just part of built into my DNA. Oh, so it's really early. Mm. So what, what was your favorite night of the week while you're at Miami? Favorite night of the week? I would have to say probably Friday night. That was probably my favorite because that's when everything was usually done. Either you had a game on Friday and so you're playing baseball and that's what I was there to do. That was a passion for me. And then outside of that, you still had practice to go to. But after that, if it was in the fall, you have practice. You're hanging out with your friends and the community, the teamsmanship, that Miami and then also on the base on the baseball team is what what really shaped and molded my Miami experience and I think that's what um those are the those are the things that you miss is really the people and like those moments you're like man all my work is done for the week I'm ready to just kind of let my hair down and relax a little bit so I'd try to say Friday night did you intern at all while you're at Miami I did intern so I interned at a company called American Axle Manufacturing so where my father works uh, and then also I actually did a uh I got a role as a manager at a boat shop company in Northern Michigan. Uh, and so I was just kind of helping manage a, a boat shop there. It's a kind of a seasonal gig where uh, the part, Northern part of Michigan is bumping, right? It's very, very popular in the summertime, right? It's not necessarily that busy in the, in the wintertime because you can imagine everything's frozen. Um, but that was a, my, kind of like my first sales job ever. And that's where I kind of was able to really show my personality because growing up, I was actually very introverted and presenting selling, having conversations, talking to people that I didn't know intimidated the heck out of me. And that was one of those so things. so hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I, yeah. Everybody says that. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if you remember meeting Casey Maloney, who's, uh, she was an HR director when I first started. She was, the, she was the one who actually was there for my first couple of days as I was going through kind of our human resources or HR onboarding. Um, <laughs> She goes, she, was, she came to me uh, a couple, sorry, about six months later. She goes, Charlie, I gotta be honest with you. I said, oh, okay, Casey, like, what's up? She goes, I honestly didn't know if you were to make it the first two days. I was like, well, why is that? And she goes, you just didn't say boo. And I was like, <laughs> and, and, and then, and then we're now like, I have no problem leading a room or, or obviously having in-depth conversations with um, really anybody. But she was like, man, you didn't, you didn't say boo. But I told her, I said, I have a very strong personality now. And that's something that to the wrong person can come off 
you know, arrogant. It can come off overly confident in that standpoint. So you kind of have to be able to meet people where they're at. And that was something that I think I learned through that retail job and being able to, it almost almost got stronger as I've worked Mm -hmm. in CentOS because you're exposed to a, a wider variety of people, right? At Miami, there's students they're really smart and they're very hardworking, right and they also like to socialize and those mm-hmm. are things that were all common right they're, they're common peers but as you work at you know going back to CentOS is you're exposed to people who have gone through everything in life right and I can I mean I was again when I first started my surf manager role I was 24 and I'm 24 I was managing people who were twice my age right and that's something that I just I don't have the life experiences mm-hmm. I do so again I had to kind of meet them where they're at and be like hey I don't know what you're going through but like kind of help me feel that for you, right? I, I want to be, you know, how can I be the best version of me for you? And how can I help you get through whatever you're going through, right? And that's either good or, mm. either good things or bad things, so. That's great. So in your freshman year, what, what dorm did you live in, Charlie? I lived in Brandon Hall. So it was like the last the last year of it being, uh, the last year of it before it got torn down. It got torn down the year after. I said, oh, that's perfect. I got the last, you know, <laughs> character right. building year of it. <laughs> and what about off campus? Where did you live off campus? Off campus, I lived at Heritage Commons my sophomore year. And then we lived in the North Quad just because it was close to the baseball field junior and senior right. year. And that's kept everything, kept life a lot easier because exactly with morning right. morning lifts and practice lifts i was like all right i could sleep as long as i could you know let's, let's do it and timing was timing is important so what exactly. is your favorite building on campus not uptown but on campus on campus the psychology building uh, mm. actually so if you uh psychology building is actually in, in kind of like right field of uh, of the baseball field too and so for me i would go to classes there i loved absolutely loved the way they broke down the, the, the classrooms there because there's whiteboards everywhere and i'm a very visual thinker and learner and so when i would go study i would literally write the topic and all the different connections i was like just connecting doing doing webs uh, throughout the whole thing and that's how i memorized it because i would just write it over and over again and then when they got the weather got nice there were benches and stuff that were a perfect view of the baseball field and so yeah. when i was going to classes um excuse me and then doing homework i was able to watch my friends right go play catch or go hit on the field and stuff like that so it was and a really a, beautiful setting and it's a beautiful baseball facility it really is what's yeah. your favorite spot in uptown favorite spot in uptown i think from a bar perspective i'd have to say brick street is just a, a classic that's a good one but i think from a food standpoint um my friends and i would go to leader night every thursday at steinkeller's and so whenever we get back on campus we try to go to steinkeller's for uh, either a leader or just you know kind of get that feel back that was just one of those routine things that we just had a lot of conversations a lot of good memories there so if, when you look back over your time at Miami, what was your most memorable personal experience? Memorable personal experience. So good, another good question. And I'm trying to give it the, the right Just thought. And I, That's right. Yep, yep. And I, and I think there's probably one really defining moment. Uh, it actually happened my senior year that helped really shape me who I was. Because again, when you're, 21 and 22 you think you're this grown man you're this grown person and things like that and i'll be the first one to tell you that i was not i was might have been mature for a 21 year old but i still was figuring life out and figured out what, what my identity was and i i noted it earlier i didn't have the most successful baseball career not how i envisioned it by any means and i think at one point i was going through a little bit of a rut and i was having a very very candid emotional conversation with one of my coaches at the time. And that conversation looked a lot like, Hey, well, 
all I do is, you know, strike out or all I get is, you know, ground out or get, get these hits and, or don't, don't get, don't get hits. And the, and the failure, I just feel like I'm a failure right now. At least that's what actually came out of my mouth. And for someone who is as confident as I was, this coach kind of like was like taken back. It's like, man, this guy's going through some stuff. And uh, with that, he kind of said one line to me and it was in our batting cages at, at the field. And he goes, Charlie, the number one thing that I'll tell you is that you are what you let define you. Uh, and from that moment, it gives me goosebumps saying it now. It gave me goosebumps when I heard it the first time because of how impactful it was, is that I will fail a ton more times in my life and I'm 100% going to own that, right? But I think there are certain things in my control, right? I think there's controllables and non-controllables. There's certain things that I can control that I know I do a really, really good job of, right? And those, and those going back to kind of the intangible things, confidence, work ethic, organization, right? These are all things that are part of who, what make me who I am, right? A good, again, a good brother, a good uh, friend, a good son, all the things that I take a lot of pride in that those are the things I identify with. The failures going to come, right? There's different things. There's part of my syntax training where I've gotten, had tough conversations with me where it's like, Charlie, I need you to do this better. And okay, let's do it. Let's put together a good plan. But the most impactful part of that was, again, I'll, I'll repeat it. You are what you let define you. And for me, that's confident, hardworking, optimistic, happy, right? All these things that I want to be able to impact and inspire other people that way. And that's why I am as passionate as I am, because I think there's just so many negative things out there. So if I could be one little light uh, and shining hope of, you know, positivity for somebody and make someone stay, that's my goal. So that's probably my long-winded answer for your short question. I am so enjoying this podcast. I'm going to close with one final question. You've given some great advice along the way in terms of how you've embraced Sintas, but wind the clock right back to when you were an incoming freshman. So what advice would you give an incoming freshman into Miami University? Uh, I, again, was this introvert, right, early on in my in my life. And so like going to college, I was nervous. I was like, man, I got to socialize with people. I got to meet new people and stuff like that. And I, uh, as I've gotten older, gone through college, even now in my, you know, post-grad life at Cintas in, in the Detroit area, I didn't know a ton of people because a lot of people have moved out. My friends have moved and doing their own things. Um, and I have had to get really good at networking and networking is, Hey, how you doing? I'm Charlie. Nice to meet you. And that's what I would encourage a younger version of myself to go do as a freshman saying, Hey, I'm Charlie. Nice to meet you. I, go I actually go live in Brandon Hall. Where are you from? Right. And, and so my advice to an incoming freshman is to get to know as many people as you can, because Everyone might not be for you, but you'll find those few five people or a few three three people. And I think that's that, that's what's going to make your college career. And when I think about college, I think some of the biggest takeaways are the few friends, few very, very close friends that I have that we talk on a weekly basis about not just like catching up of, hey, how are things, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's life conversations that are only going to make me a better human being moving forward. And it's those conversations with those people that I think make or break how you feel about a certain situation, whether it be work, personal life, you know, different friends, opportunities, romantic situations and things like that, that those are the things that you can possibly get out of your freshman year if you do it right. I love the advice. And I think for the students listening, we've, you know, we've all come through two years of COVID. Um, it's impacted people differently. Some people and have, have really had you know, many challenges through COVID. What we see is a level of disengagement. And so I yeah. think your advice is we rebuild community. That's my theme for FY23 is to rebuild community here at the farmer school and obviously more broadly across Miami. But I think just showing up 
connecting with people that you might not otherwise have connected with and just finding a, a finding a place to connect. I think that's such good and important advice. So as we close, I want to thank you so much, Charlie, for your gift of time to allow us to record this podcast. One thing I love about being here at Miami University is just how engaged our alumni are, how willing they are to find ways to continue to support the university, our students, our faculty, our staff, and each other. So thank you, Charlie. Go well as you continue in your journey beyond High Street. Thanks for the opportunity.